Daily Drive is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses continue to work together to make a difference now and shape the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org slash radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Daily Drive. I'm Steve Smith with Automotive News. It's Tuesday, August 31st. For decades, J.D. Power has been behind some of the most well-recognized annual studies in the automotive industry that measure consumer opinions on initial vehicle quality and customer service. In fact, the company has been doing its IQS study annually for about 35 years. Now, as the industry pushes towards electrification, the company has launched a suite of new research platforms designed to capture how consumers feel about buying electric vehicles, as well as measure their opinions about their experiences both inside and outside of the vehicle. Earlier this month, the company released the findings of its inaugural EV public charging study. The research explores 10 different factors, including ease, speed, and cost of charging, to measure how consumers in the United States who own EVs feel about their experiences using publicly available DC fast chargers and level 2 charging stations. According to Brent Gruber, Senior Director of Automotive at J.D. Power, the study reveals most owners appear satisfied with the ease of using public charging stations, which is important because it reveals that current EV owners understand the difference between DC fast chargers and level 2 chargers, and that understanding informs the experiences that they should expect. Still, he says there is opportunity for improvement, and making those improvements is going to be critical to luring skeptical consumers who may question the cost and convenience of charging versus filling up at the gas pump. The study also reveals the cost of charging is a significant issue for EV owners, and that may create competition among various charge point providers that go to market using different kinds of business models each of which also deliver different kinds of customer experiences. Gruber says opinions regarding availability of public charging stations is mixed, particularly when consumers most often cite chargers that are out of service or chargers with long wait times to plug in as the most frustrating part of their experience with public charging. He says installation of more chargers will help alleviate those frustrations. What else are U.S. owners of EVs saying about their experiences with public charging? Which charge point providers rise to the top with consumers? And how important is it for charge point providers to tie their brands to established and well-known automotive brands? We've reached Brent Gruber, Senior Director of Global Automotive at J.D. Power, in Detroit. Brent, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? I'm great, Steve. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you for joining me today. You know, you think about J.D. Power and the brand and the studies that your organization do are synonymous, IQS, customer satisfaction, et cetera, et cetera. But last week, you announced the findings of an inaugural study on consumer experiences around public charging. Can you tell us about the study? What does it measure and why do it? Yeah, Absolutely. You're right. There's a you know, certain number of studies that J.D. Power is known for, and we get a lot of publicity with those. And you know, we 
did decide to do some new studies this year around the electric vehicle space. Within some of those existing studies, we started to do a lot of evaluation on electric vehicles, and we felt that it really warranted focusing specifically on that vehicle technology. And so our initiative for this year was to unveil a um, slew of new studies specific to electric vehicles. So we targeted five studies for the year, starting with uh, an electric vehicle consideration study. So we wanted to understand what consumers were thinking in terms of considering electric vehicles. And then once they ultimately decided to purchase an electric vehicle, what did that experience look like? What does it look like owning an electric vehicle uh, You know, in their daily lives and living with it and having to charge it? And some of the problems that um, you know they may be experiencing with those electric vehicles, and you know, when we talked about that total ownership experience, um, you know there were certain elements that were unique to owning an electric vehicle that we really wanted to isolate and expand on further, uh, particularly the charging aspect. You know, there's the home charging environment, and then there's the public charging environment, and those are two very distinct different experiences. And so we wanted to expand on those in further detail because we knew that there were challenges with the public charging infrastructure in our research leading up to these new studies. Consumers were indicating that the availability of public charging stations was um, a deterrent to consideration and, and you know certainly a barrier to growth for the industry. And so with the public charging study, we wanted to set out and identify what some of those challenges were. Um, you know, our traditional clients, the automakers, were forming partnerships with some of these charge point operators, and we wanted a better understanding of you know, how they were performing in the market to help advance uh, vehicle electrification. And so, you know, it really started with identifying what that experience was like, and then assessing and evaluating and providing vital insights that will hopefully move the industry forward. Talk a little bit about the consumers that are in the study and maybe some of the factors that you and your team measured. Yeah, so the study is um, a measure of electric vehicle owners throughout the U.S., so we wanted to have a broad representation of electric vehicle owners throughout the country, certainly understanding that certain areas of the market in the United States have infrastructure that is more built out than others. So we felt it was really important to have uh, a national representation. And then we wanted also to get a sense for what the charging experience was like for those who own full battery electric vehicles, as well as those who own plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. So we, we reached out to those two ownership groups. We did this in partnership with PlugShare. And for those who have um, knowledge of the electric vehicle industry, PlugShare is a name that's pretty synonymous with the app that is used for finding charging locations. They have the number one EV charging station finding app on the app store. And so in our partnership, they had uh, access to electric vehicle owners, which we utilized that app to survey them directly within that app environment. So what it did was it allowed us to get extensive reach to thousands and thousands of electric vehicle owners throughout the United States. Let's talk a little bit about some of the findings, some of the key headlines. So let's start with satisfaction 
with ease and availability of public charging. What are these owners telling you? Are they satisfied or are they not when it comes to how easy it is to find a charging station? Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost, one thing that we did you know, certainly walk away with from this study was an understanding that no one is really performing all that well in public charging. So we measured satisfaction and we looked at it in a, um, a segmented level and evaluated the performance of all these charge point operators. And in the end, all of these different experiences that roll up into overall satisfaction indicated that no one was really performing all that well. Now, within those aggregate numbers, there were certain areas that were better than others. Um, so, you know, one of those areas you mentioned was the availability of chargers. And so, you know, when somebody goes to a charging station and they go to charge their vehicle, is that station available or is there a charging um, outlet available for them to charge their vehicle. And that was one of the more satisfying experience. So it wasn't specific to the number of charging stations that was available, but more specific to the availability to charge once you did arrive at that location. So, you know, obviously we're, we're you know, in the nascent days of the electric vehicle industry, and there aren't a tremendous amount of people out there who are charging electric vehicles in public. And so, you know, as of right now, those stations are available once you do have the opportunity to utilize one. Um, you know, the availability of the charging stations to be able to charge it was quite satisfying. So that was one of the more satisfying aspects of public charging. Um, But unfortunately, for those that were satisfied with those things, there were other things that weren't so satisfying. You know, for example, um, you know, the cost of charging or the things to do in the area. Those are some of the elements that also rolled up into the overall satisfaction with public charging. I think one of the things that was really loud and clear was the availability of other things to do while you're charging. Certainly, it takes an extended period of time to oftentimes charge your vehicle. And so, you know, while your vehicle's charging, you want to maybe go shopping. You want to go grab a bite to eat. You know, you want to have amenities nearby um, to charge or to do while you're charging. And, you know, there's different charging scenarios, um, you know, that are influenced by that. Um, You know, there's those people who are maybe on a road trip and they're charging, you know, at various points along the way on that road trip. But then there are people who are just, you know, kind of driving around town and taking advantage of charging stations locally and, you know, want to top up their battery and, you know, maybe on the way home from work, they're running into the grocery store to grab some some food and charging their uh, their vehicle uh, while they're in the store. So, you know, there's there's different charging scenarios that influence whether there are things to do nearby. Um, but regardless of the charging scenario, it was very loud and clear to us that consumers do expect more amenities nearby while they're charging. Well, it's interesting because I've had folks that represent convenience stores and fuel retailers, et cetera, on the show in the past. And they say exactly the same things that you're doing is that what consumers are going to end up seeing is the fact that charging 
when that infrastructure is built out, could more than likely be more convenient to the points that you uh, just mentioned than going to your gas station, your local gas station and filling up with with yep. gasoline. You could go grocery shopping. You could go to you know the the salon, all these sorts of wonderful activities. I'm curious, however, in this conversation around we need more infrastructure, we need more charging. Do we know when or do we have a sense of when that tipping point is going to be when we have enough that creates that satisfaction of availability for users? And the reason why I ask that is because there's recent headlines coming out of Japan where they took a build it and they will come mentality where mm -hmm. where and, and now we're hearing reports of these these charging stations going unused they're sitting idle as they do that they become outdated so where's the balance there to not go too far in building infrastructure and yet delivering the satisfaction that consumers might want with these charging experiences mm -hmm. yeah that's a great question and you know right now we certainly recognize that the availability of public charging in the United States is not adequate. So, you know, just to be clear, we're at a level that is certainly not adequate for our needs within this market right now. And so we do have opportunity to grow that infrastructure and advance that. If you look at the consideration study that we released earlier this year, the number one barrier to consideration among those who are not interested in electric vehicles is the availability of public charging stations. In our total ownership study, the number one most dissatisfying aspect of owning an electric vehicle was the availability of public charging stations. So, you know, there certainly are not enough in this market right now. Will we get to a point where they're as ubiquitous as gas stations? Maybe in the foreseeable future, but, uh, you know, in the short term, certainly not. We do know that there are some risk involved with building out this infrastructure and growing this network right now. But I think we're also, you know, have a great understanding that this is a segment of the market that is expected to grow very quickly. At the end of 2020, the electric vehicles represented about 2% of the uh, retail share in the United States uh, for vehicles sold. Halfway through this year, it went from 2% to 3%. Now, that may seem like a pretty small increase, but when you increase by one percentage point in that short of a period of time, considering how long it took us to get to that 2%, you know, we're cer certainly starting to see uh, a rate of acceleration with adoption for electric vehicles. What we don't want is to be caught in a situation where sales for electric vehicles takes off and the public charging infrastructure is not available to support it. That's not a really good scenario because now you have people who own these vehicles and are not able to take advantage of charging them in public. So there is a little bit of a risk where we have to, you know, kind of jump out and, and get in front of this and, and build some of that infrastructure. Now, when will we know when it's enough? We'll know when we start to see responses in studies like ours that show satisfaction is high with the availability of public charging, and it's no longer 
a detriment to electric vehicle consideration. I think that's where we'll know or when we'll know that um, you know we've reached sort of that tipping point of uh, availability. You know, there are markets in the United States where it's certainly much more plentiful than others. On the West Coast, there's a lot more charging stations there. And even when you look at that market, consumers are telling us that there certainly is not anywhere near enough public charging stations available, even in a market that's pretty well built out like that. So we're far from what we need. And, you know, we do need to have, uh, you know, a leap of faith and, and build more infrastructure. And, you know, the years to come, hopefully it will no longer be the deterrent that it is today. You mentioned one of the findings was consumer perhaps dissatisfaction with cost of charging. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about what the survey revealed and what consumers are thinking about, about how much it costs them to charge? Yeah. When I talked about, you know, all these different elements that roll up into these overall satisfaction levels with public charging, cost is one of those elements that uh, rated very low. It was very low in satisfaction. And part of this is, you know, by the manufacturer's own undoing. Right now, you have a lot of manufacturers that offer incentives with the purchase of an electric vehicle. When you buy a new electric vehicle, you get a certain amount of free charging that goes with that. When that runs out and then you have to pay for charging, that leads to dissatisfaction. There's an expectation that public charging should be free to a certain extent. And in some cases it is. There are certain charge point operators where their business model is to provide short duration, lower speed, free charging in convenient locations. And even when we look at those scenarios, despite the fact that the speed is slower, the charging duration is lower, satisfaction is still much higher when that free charging is available to consumers. And in those situations where it's offered as an incentive, satisfaction is pretty high. But as you can imagine, when that um, expires or when you no longer have uh, you know, uh, free charging available to you, satisfaction declines quite rapidly. So it is a big factor in overall satisfaction with public charging. It's one of the the driving factors and one of the key findings of this study, whether it be through incentives or through the business model of some charge point operators, free charging is a really big boost to the experience and the satisfaction levels of electric vehicle owners. We'll be right back with more. Innovation. Resilience. Agility. It's how Michigan businesses work together and continue to build the future. Our expertise, talented workforce, and collaborative environment are making a difference now and shaping the future. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org radio to put your plans in motion. That's michiganbusiness.org radio. Let's dive into this a little deeper because one of the things from the study and you talk about charge point operators is that you all actually went out and you measured specific brands, Tesla Destination, ChargePoint, Blink, Volta. 
Tell us where the brands ranked for both level two charging and DC fast charging. And what kind of insights can you glean from these brand rankings? Yeah, I think, you know, this study, as with any other JD Power study, um, you know, we set out to create transparency within the market. And transparency comes from, you know, evaluation and ranking of, of brands or products or services. And in this case, we did go out and survey consumers based on their experience utilizing charging stations for a given charge point operator. So those brands that you mentioned, we evaluated the experience utilizing those stations and then ranked them based on those levels of satisfaction. Within those two segments, we had uh, different rankings within the level two category and then the DC fast charging categories. So at the most fundamental base level, the level two charging, the award recipient for this year was Tesla Destination with their chargers, followed by Volta, and then ChargePoint in third. And then rounding out the bottom was SEMA Connect and then Blink. So within that level two charging category, Tesla ranked highest. Obviously, they've had a bit of an advantage. They've been able to develop their network over um, you know, a number of years now, and they've proliferated their charging stations throughout the United States, whether it's their level two chargers or their supercharger network. They've had this, this head start with their chargers. So when we look at why Tesla performed well on the level two charging side, you know, they have a system that has really evolved and developed a great account system for Tesla owners. Um, it's a seamless process for owners to utilize those charging stations. It's a very, very easy process. And that was the you know, really the big differentiator for Tesla destination and the level two charging category was that ease of the charging process the 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 actual you know interaction with the charging station and how easy that process was and how easy the tesla account made that um, process seamless so that was a big differentiator for tesla um, within that space also you know within the level two charging category there's certainly varying levels of charging speed and Tesla destination, one of the big advantages they had in level two was also the speed of charging. So those people who are utilizing their level two chargers are very satisfied with the, the speed of charging. Now, beyond Tesla destination, I mentioned that Volta ranked second. And this comes back to an earlier point I made where free charging really boosts satisfaction. Volta's business model is to provide that short duration, lower speed charging that is free. And so consumers really um, gravitated towards that. It really resonated with electric vehicle owners. So that allowed Volta to stand out from the, the pack um, you know, in a very unique way, just based on their, their business model. And ChargePoint, to a certain extent, has a lot of free charging as well. So those were big advantages for those brands in terms of uh, boosting their satisfaction levels. Now, on the fast charger side, Tesla also received the award in that category for their supercharger network. 
very similar situation, uh, plentiful chargers, really robust network built out throughout the country, easily accessible. But then you also have that seamless account system that they've developed. Um, it really helps facilitate the charging process. And Tesla Supercharger really on a whole uh, performed well across the board. So all the different elements that we measure, 10 different elements that roll up into public charging satisfaction, Tesla Supercharger Network did well in all 10 of those categories. But again, the ease of, a, of payment, that account system, and then really the availability of all those chargers, that's, that's what did it uh, for Tesla. But unlike the level two charging category, the fast charging category, those that rank below the supercharger network um, were really, you know, it, it distant in terms of satisfaction levels. And that's where you kind of see a bit of a drop off. And, and certainly the advantage that uh, Tesla has with the expansive network that they had with their chargers. You're talking about companies that are really kind of building up their networks. They're relatively new to the space. Fast charging uh, fast charging locations are certainly quite expensive. And so, you know, it takes a lot to build those those stations and, and they're, you know, in the process of expanding those networks. And right now, just the, uh, the availability of those networks pales in comparison to what Tesla has to offer currently. And, and I think that also makes it exciting knowing that Tesla is opening up their, their network to non-Tesla owners, knowing that Tesla has some of these key advantages and those advantages will be available to everyone. I think it makes it really exciting to see how this is evolving. Do you think one of the things driving Tesla's ranking is the fact that they're a known brand in other words, do you think that as the build-out of charging station continues, as these players continue to grow and mature, do you think those that are tied very specifically to a recognizable automaker brand have a bit of an advantage? I do. Yeah, and you know, let's 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 be clear. You know, it certainly does have a very recognizable brand. Um, you know, Tesla has, um, you know, rightly earned, um, you know, the moniker of leading the, the electric vehicle industry. You know, they've been at this for 10 plus years and they have a very high percentage of the market. And so it's a very recognizable brand. And that certainly helps. But regardless of study that we have that looks at electric vehicles, if you isolate the brand from the equation, they still get things right, whether it's the product, whether it's the charging experience, there are things they are doing that are better than others. Um, you know, whether it's the product with the extended ranges, the long ranges, um, you know, that uh, certainly is a big advantage, regardless of the brand. You know, on the home charging side, the charging connectors that they provide with the purchase of their vehicles, the physical form factor of those chargers is better. It's more convenient to use those. They're slimmer. They're easier to store. They're they're easier to mount. You know, so there are things that allow Tesla to perform well, regardless of the brand associated with it. And that's the case with the public charging study as well. You know, yes, it's the Tesla brand, and that certainly helps with recognition. But in the end, 
they're still providing an experience that is better than all of the others to this point. It still has more chargers. It still has a more seamless account system and payment system that's better integrated. So although the brand certainly does help, you know, the reality is they are doing things that are really resonating um, and differentiating themselves from the rest of the market. One of the things that I think is truly exciting about this space in particular, and you mentioned this a little bit, or at least touched on it a little bit, is the various business models that these various charge point providers are adopting, right? There is the Tesla brand very much aligned to the vehicle model, and and there's these other brands that are less aligned to a specific brand. Mm -hmm. Yet there's examples out there of them providing Mm -hmm. customer experiences by tapping into other sectors. Some are providing kiosks for retail retailers to invest in, creating different types of customer experiences. What do you think about the various opportunities that that charge point providers have to dev- to create that customer experience, that customer stickiness that perhaps is a little beyond the vehicle they're driving itself? Yeah, that's right. You know, so certainly there are charge point operators that are aligned with vehicle manufacturers. I mentioned Tesla, you know, Electrify in America is another one of those charge point operators that has a tie-in with the you know, Audi, Porsche, Volkswagen brands, um, you know, coming out of the Volkswagen group. And so, you know, there's there's natural tie-ins just based on the networks that these automakers have their own charging networks, but then there's also opportunities, like you said, for additional tie-ins or additional promotion. So at the retailer level, um, you know, there are these charging stations that are branded. So you could go to a Tesla charging station, you could go to an EVgo charging station or charge point, but then there are also charging stations that are white labeled. And I think that's where some of the tie-in comes in where a retailer has taken a charging station and branded it their own. And so, you know, it really helps with the experience at that retailer. So, you know, you go to a Kroger and maybe you're charging at a Kroger charging station and that's how it's branded. So I think there's certainly an opportunity for a lot of these charging um, providers to offer that white labeling that helps provide this service or this this benefit to consumers that can uh, create a unique tie-in. You know, there's a lot of dwell time with, with charging. And when you have people who are, you know, maybe a captive audience for a period of time while they're charging their vehicles, it allows you the opportunity to do some unique things from a marketing perspective. You know, I mentioned uh, Volta and the fact that they offer free charging. Well, they offer free charging because they're also providing some um, some ad content. And so, you know, when you have access to a captive audience like that, you really can create some unique content specific to a unique audience, um, you know, that can really help promote, you know, some of the retailers that are tied into this ecosystem. Brent, such an interesting conversation, such interesting findings from your inaugural study. It really gets to the point that for EVs to really connect with consumers, it's going to take the product, it's going to take range, it's going to take performance. But there are so many factors that are going to be involved in getting to mass adoption of electric vehicles. I appreciate your time and sharing the insights from this year's studies with, uh, with me today on Daily Driving with our listeners. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate you having me on the show and I uh, enjoy the conversation and you're absolutely right. There's a lot of variables at play that uh, will influence, you know, the growth of electric vehicles and, you know, certainly it takes great product that resonates with consumers, but then we also have to have the home charging and the public charging infrastructure to help support those vehicles. So you're right. It's an ecosystem that we need to uh, focus on improving. Thanks for taking some time. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show, Steve. That's Daily Drive for Tuesday, August 31st. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of our episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy your day.